You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk with leaders from all around the world about what it takes to truly pay the price of leadership. And I'm super excited. My guest today is Ann Sieg. And Ann's training and mentorship has impacted hundreds of thousands of people worldwide to achieve online success all while working from home, which a lot of us are doing more and more now. But nothing has matched the rapid success of her e-commerce students. It's not uncommon for them to see cash flow in the first few days or weeks of starting their businesses. Anne loves launching new entrepreneurs towards a successful home-based e-commerce business. And Anne, we are excited to have you on our podcast today. Thank you. I'm very excited too, because this is a topic I am very passionate about. I love it. Thank you. It excites me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Anne, I want to talk about something right now. I want to talk about something my father said, and he said this in a speech called The Price of Leadership. And in it, he said that there's some things you have to really be doing to truly be called a leader. And he was very pragmatic. He was a cautious optimist, but he had been through a really difficult upbringing. And I think that showed that leadership is great, but it's also really difficult. So I want to unpack these four topics with you and get your insights as to what this means for you in your journey. You've had a lot of different things you've experienced, and I'd love to draw on your wealth of wisdom right now. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm thrilled. Excellent. Okay. So Anne, the first one he talks about is loneliness. He says that, you know what? If you're going to be truly doing leadership right, there's going to be some loneliness. And we hear that there's lonely at the top kind of thing. But can you unpack for me what loneliness means for you as a leader? Well, loneliness is realizing it all rests on your shoulders at the end of the day. So while I do have an absolute phenomenal counselor, I'll call it, he's on my team. I came online as a result of him 16 years ago, and he's like a counselor for me. And I have my husband. So I have some really great support, but it all rests on my shoulders. And even while getting the advice and support, I still ultimately have to make those decisions and live with the consequences of those decisions, even though they'll, you know, they'll say, I'll support you, whatever you decide, Anne. It's still though, the outcome is still mine. And so the loneliness is that singular role of CEO it's all on you. Mm-hmm. And even despite getting, in, in my case, I'm really blessed that way with my counselors, you have to deal with those and the thoughts inside your head. And that whole vast experience, you know, this universe of experience of past from childhood, like you were mentioning earlier, and all these different things is they all culminate into that time where you have to make what can be a really big decision for your company. And you just have to go there. And it's also, I will say, where it's most painful in terms of the loneliness is when it's really hard. I mean, grueling hard that you get to sometimes these walls are so hard that you dance with the demons, I'll call it, where it's like, is this when I throw in the towel? Because really, it would be up to me and not, you know, these other parties that are supporting me. It would be me calling it and saying, okay, this is it. That's very lonely because it's only you can decide that. I will say the benefit of that, and I always try to look for that in terms of this role that I play, is I have to believe that it's worth doing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And what has compelled me to do that is I've built, for me personally, I know why. <laughs> and it's, well, it's, it's several, but this one is huge. It's been a lot of work to create my team. Mm-hmm. And I understand the enormous asset that my team is to me in my business. Because I will tell you when my son, who was my partner for 10 years, he came into my office one day and he sat down, you know, and there was a chair that when they would come in, whomever comes in my office, they sit in the chair that's facing me while I'm looking at my workstation. And it's like, he came in and he sat down. And that's when he announced the news that he was leaving as my partner that I had had for 10 years, my eldest son. And it's like, now that was, while I have this great support team and everything, he helped get me to where I was at. Right. It was two skill sets. He had the marketing and advertising. I brought the team building, et cetera. And now that key part that got us to where we were at was saying, I'm leaving. I was like, oh, gulp, (laughs) here it goes, you know, who had been like a booster, a leg up to me. But what has compelled me in those lonely moments when I'm very dark, I was telling my husband the other day, you know, I never knew when I heard about what panic attacks were, Uh you know, in this field of psychology, I didn't really know from an analytical, you know, what is that? But I told my husband, I know I've had those. Mm -hmm. And if if I start to relay it, It's basically, it's when you feel so powerless, you have no power, and you're falling backwards into a dark abyss. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of being powerless, it's a really frightening thing, and especially for someone who's a leader where you've always bootstrapped, you've always coached your way through, you've built this insane mental stamina, you've been through the hard knocks where you've been beat up. In fact, I just had an incident this week that hit me broadside. It was, oh, wow. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that one later, but... Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Uh-huh. Uh, so you just go, when you're used to drawing on your internal reserves, and when you feel like it's spent, mm-hmm. really spent from the perspective of feeling like you're powerless to change the outcome, because that's what you do in business. You make decisions. If I do this, well, it should change the outcome in this way. That's what we're always predicting time. And we're, you know, if I do this and the whole risk mitigation, it should do that. That's a serious, it's what we go through over and over. And when you feel like it's like hit the end of the road and this is the abyss and I'm falling backwards into the abyss. And a lot of that is associated with a sense of shame, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say. So I'm getting really raw here. I I mean, I'm I'm probably revealing more than I maybe ever, but it's, it's the real raw guts of it. I'm saying that. Right. I want to ask you first, we've all had it happen where where is my support structure? And you're alone. And it is jarring. I've had that happen. I've had that happen recently. Okay. And so once again, it's not a new thing to me, but it's always one of the most difficult things that can happen to a person as you relayed. So I thank you. I feel that. When you say it's tied then that feeling of that to shame, can you unpack that? Is it shame that you didn't see it coming? Is it shame that you doubt yourself? Tell me what you mean by that. It's a sense of shame in that, especially when you're leading a team of people, and I have an entire community that I'm leading with, you know, it's that always this feeling, you're the person with the flag, you're going up the hill and the people are falling up behind you. That's exactly what I've been doing since I've been online. And that's like super weighty. People change their lives around you. Mm. They now own homes and cars and are paying for them as a result of 
your work, your velocity, your energy, your commitment, and they have felt that energy and they line up behind that. And there's all these people with their incomes and like, this isn't just me. You know, people say, oh my gosh, I can't seem to make an income. And, and I'm thinking, oh, and so you now you're worrying about that. It's for you and your household. Well, check this one out. When you have an entire team who is, I have someone who just bought a new house and they're moving. And, you know, because I was volitional, I picked up this flag and decided to march up this hill and say, follow me. And now, and so when you hit that and you're going into that abyss, the sense of shame is that I made a, a bad decision along the way. I should, I should. And I'm really bad at that kind of stuff, which I have to work on. And oftentimes in business, there are things that are completely out of your control. Right. Totally. A new law, right. a new this, right. that you just go and it happens. And, I, and just about all those things have happened to me. I love it. But it's this thing where, oh, but I got these people that are, and I have obligations with my husband relative to the commitment to the business and where it's supposed to take us. So that weight is so huge mm-hmm. that it's, I, I give pause to people. Oh, I want to be like you, Anne. I, I'm thinking, and I told them real frankly, well, you know what? Not quite so much because you're seeing the pretty outside. That's what you're seeing. I want to be like, I, I tell them I'm pretty candid. Just know you're buying into a really big business model. It is filled with responsibility. You know, like you're seeing this nice, oh, look at that front cover. Wow, look at this. She did this. She did that. Yeah, well, if you knew the price. I love it. I love it. If you knew the price, you might think twice. So let me go there with you. Well, that's why we're talking about the price of leadership. And I really appreciate your authenticity with that. And I do get it because there's an element of, hey, this is what we were all leading for. And then it's not there. And for our leaders listening, if it hasn't happened, it's going to happen. I'm like you, Anne. I probably carry way too much of that. Because everybody's got their own journey they're working too, but it still is jarring when it happens. And now this kind of takes us to the next point, which is weariness. Okay. Mm. And you hit that, you know, when you've got a great team, teamwork makes the dream work. And I mean, you're Mm -hmm. cooking and you're volleying and you're all charging into battle together. When a critical leg is gone or something like that, and you have to reconstruct, I love it. That's how you opened up that it was all about the hardest thing is really, and I've always said this, creating that team. How do you combat weariness and how do you stay refreshed? Because it is, I love that you said it's super weighty. Everybody's like, oh, you know, I want to be my own boss. I'm like, really? (laughs) I want to sign your social security number to an EIN number and have the responsibility for other people's mortgages. Okay. It looks easy when you're not doing it, but it is an incredibly weighty responsibility. So how do you stay refreshed and replenished? (sighs) Well, I have experienced extreme weariness because especially when I adapted when my son left and I was doing all the marketing and I look back and I literally, how did I do that? But I will tell you, I've suffered physically from it okay. and where my body is saying, well, all right, so here's how it's going to work. We're going to do this. So this is real personal, but let's see, this is four years ago. So it hasn't, I broke out with this, it's something called acne rosacea. Mm-hmm. And I broke out with this most hideous, hideous, and I had an event coming up, okay? And I'm always entering the event, you know, and all this. And I mean, my nose was twice the size. And I mean, I saved the pictures, but it was so hideous. I'm going to the doctor. And, and for me, when you are, I'm in the front of the company and the marketing, the videos and everything, and it's like, 
hey, doc, you just give me whatever you got to change what this looks like out here. Now. Inside, I know it's screwed up. Yeah. You bet. I know my body's paying the price. You give me what I need. I need this fixed. Which is really sad because it, it makes me understand at a micro level the backstories of the Marilyn Monroe, the Michael Jackson, and all these people who are performers and why they ended up so messed up. I get it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, don't be so condemning because you have no idea what that life is like. Where with Marilyn, the backstory in that was they give her uppers to cover up and donors for her to be down because it was so screwed up. And it's what happened. So in any case, in that deal, I wasn't getting the right treatment from a, a regular physician. So then I, it was all, I needed some help with my glasses. And there's a dermatologist on the, the building and the event was coming up. I went and they looked at me and they're like, I said, I need to get in today. Well, all they had to do was look at my face. And they got me right in. I didn't call for an appointment. I went into that office and I'm like, I need help. I mean, I look like a train wreck. And so they diagnosed it immediately. I was on double internal antibiotics, double external. I got it turned around enough to be able to show up. So I'm just saying how bad it has gotten where my body says, well, mm-hmm. and having it with the face was a real call out to say, well, you don't seem to be listening in other ways. So we'll just take you down this way. Right. So we'll hear you. You're going to hear the body loud and clear. Yo, you got an issue here, lady. So anyways, I'll tell you, I think we're on the same page relative to this that I made a lifestyle change just this summer or springish from a good friend of mine about the Sabbath day. I read the book. It's called Take the Day Off. Well, I've worked Sundays for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I know how to put in 80, 90 hours and just work, work, work. And I read that book and it was finally like, you know what? Yeah. I won't be working Sundays right. anymore. No. It's tempting as all heck out. I did a little pinch. It was after dark and thought, well, I got to put this in. I mean, it was so tempting. But on the whole, so I will say it's when you are a work addict, and I don't mean this in a, a braggadocious way, what it ends up being is it's a, a habit that is, can be very, very, very difficult to break. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a literal addiction. It is. And it is. Work, work. Yeah. Right. Especially when you're, it's your passion. And my dad suffered a bout of chronic fatigue syndrome back mm-hmm. in his mid-50s as a speaker because he would speak 300 days a year. It hit him. I mean, I love that you're talking about Sabbathing. I started Sabbathing yeah. about five years ago. You know, we're just mere mortals and don't take care of that. But you know, and I've even had younger people on this podcast, like mid Mm thirties that achieve great success, late twenties and early thirties, and their bodies just said, no way. So it's not just for us middle-agers, right? You know, there's more and more kids going through burnout and you just, we're not coded. Like if God had to figure us, so yeah, so yeah. I would say too, what I do on a daily basis for me, I come from the sports world. I was a sports coach for 15 years is I have to get out and get oxygen. And it's kind of like where I go get high. My endorphin kick is so yesterday I got on my bike and I did nine laps in the neighborhood and then I went to the gym and that's just like complete total release, especially like a rowing machine. It's just like, I mean, I'm gone. I'm gone. Right. So to have that on a daily basis, and I used to work till 9 p.m. at night. Now it's pretty much 8 o'clock and a special quiet time with my husband that we do. And so it's really hard though. And and if you don't do it, then your body will take you down and say, well, here's what we're going to do. That's the beauty thing about this beautiful 
amazing bodies that we have. It, if you just take care of it a little bit, it'll take care of you. And it lets yeah. you know, hey, hey, we're not doing yeah. it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I love that. So loneliness, weariness. Okay. So now I want to talk about abandonment. Okay. And my dad um, mm. would always say, you know, abandonment kind of has that negative, you know, fear of abandonment is one of the main things. But he said that abandonment is really stop thinking about what you like and want to think about in favor of what you ought and need to think about. So his was more of a hyper focus. Mm. How mm. do you stay on point? Because you're like every other leader or entrepreneur mm. out there. Our brains are sparking new ideas, new concepts. People are connecting with us. How do you keep it all bounded and how do you stay on point? Well, just unclear when you give that definition of abandonment. So it's not someone abandoning me. It's me abandoning what I have to set aside so that I can stay focused. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. Now, and again, it can be somebody abandoning you because a lot of times, like you said, if somebody leaves and their season's over, that is abandonment. I've had employees leave too. And you do Mm -hmm. feel that sense of abandonment. But in the end, it gave me the opportunity to stop thinking of how it should be in the present with now that it's kind of a clean slate, mm-hmm. I get mm-hmm. to kind of focus on oh. the future. But I didn't mean to lead you with that, Anne. You know, abandonment is just, as leaders, we just can't be all things to all people. And I think sometimes, oh, especially yeah. as women, yes. we overcomplicate okay. things and spread ourselves way too thin. So how okay. do you stay on point? Because you could not be successful. And the leadership yeah. literature really hits on that. One thing at a time, sweet Jesus, just you can't do it all. You'll end up burning yourself out and you'll be so diluted, you won't stand out from the crowd. You know, it's the old. Yeah. So, well, how do you you dial that in? Okay. Well, in terms of so much to get done, and that works on many levels that we reckon with, and it is a reckoning of sorts. Hmm. From within the business, there's a reckoning, a prioritization of putting most urgent, most needful on top. And that's something I've, I've honed and crafted for many years. I was trained as a direct response marketer and like 12 years ago. And so that really fashioned how I, as a direct response marketer, look at decision-making versus someone who maybe doesn't have the marketing background. So I'll hopefully loop back and get to that. So that's at that level. Then there's at the family level. And then there's at the relationship level and... I'm now starting to go into more balance, you know, bit by bit relative to actually having friends mm-hmm. because I've been so dialed into my business. It's, it's whacked out for sure. And when you don't have those friends and then family obligations and duties. But, you know, I guess I'm, what I really help in terms of me is kind of like this bucket idea of learning how to differentiate of what are my responsibilities that I should take on versus ones that I think I should, but I really don't need to. Beautifully said, yes. So this is the extreme example I'm going to give on that. And it just literally occurred yesterday and today. And it's with my own, my birth family, that being my parents are both still alive, 88 and 91. And then my siblings got an email from my mom yesterday, longer email than her usual form. And my dad got in a car accident. He's fine. But the car was totaled and this and that. And it's like, hmm, here we are. We're getting close to that phase of things need to change. So my dad was driving. So because I made a big decision, I moved away from my home of Minnesota, where everyone is at, 12 years ago. Then we came back four years. Now we're back down south. But it's to this point, this abandonment. There's my family and there's the siblings. And I tend to be a very strong leader. And my mom knows it. I'm on the 
on the estate for executive, as is my brother, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, they know Anne will get it done kind of thing. Mm -hmm. In fact, my dad wants me to run his business with that eventuality, et cetera. You know, like Anne, Anne will be able to do it. But anyways, in my decision to move, I had to look at it in buckets and go, well, there's four siblings here. They have two have wives that are mega caregivers. You know, I looked at the whole scope of it, which was converse to my husband being an only child. That was different. But with this, I thought, no, I can move away from my mom and dad. And that's that's hard. That's hard because everyone else has stayed there. But I can because they're going to handle this. And normally I am a take charge person. I'll lead. And when I was asked to be executive, executor, I I said no because of the company. And then my brother passed away a couple years ago. And now my mom says, well, now you're an executor. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I live down south. But it's all to say, that's a profoundly personal thing. And abandoning a parent, you know, that whole thing. And I'm just sharing this because here now then my brother called me first thing this morning. And I said, and I managed my husband, all those senior citizens, it was all told for single-handedly because he didn't have any siblings. And it's like, well, there's my siblings. They're going to be able to take care of it. I'll help out as I can. But no one's running a business to the scope that I am. And I despise the cold weather was the main reason. So anyways, I'll just say that's just an example of by putting it in a bucket and saying, my brother is, they can do this. And my Uh sister is there. They're going to be okay. It doesn't have to be me Mm -hmm. because I tend to be this mega caregiver, step in and take care of everybody kind of mentality. Love it. So that's just an example where, and then sure enough, my brother called, he was checking in with me. I said, I a thousand percent agree with what you're saying. Yes, we need to do something about it. Just bring me in. If it's a Zoom call, happy to help in any way I can. But it's just an example of that. And then my husband will reassure me too. It is a lonely life as a business owner, especially online. I'm not out and about doing my business per se, that it is the nature of the beast. And so he would say, but Anne, or for example, church even, oh, Brian, I should really be helping with this, this, and that. He said, but Anne, we have the business and you help people in that way. Right, right. That's your ministry. Right. You know, and so as a person who takes on responsibility very easily and readily, like, hear that to me, consider it done no. kind of person, is I have to, instead of carrying the guilt of these things unresolved or that I should be doing, is saying, my husband's saying that this is our ministry, though. So I bought some books, Christian books, that I went through that really helped support that, that solidified, yeah, and it is. It's a huge ministry. So then back to what I was saying in terms of abandonment with the projects and all. So at that level, because that's what I deal with all day long, is what's the biggest lever I can pull to propel the company forward? So we shifted from where it used to be. This is a tangible. For years, I would always have three goals for each quarter. You know, here's our Q4 goals. And I would lay them out, run them through my executives. Do you agree? Push back, et cetera. Revise, bring it to the team. Now I have a scaling mentor and we're just doing one North Star, just one North Star. What is the, and we went through a two-day workshop just to identify our single North Star. Do we have 15 other things going on? Yeah, but right. nothing precedes the importance of our North right. Star. Right, you got to get everything lined up. I love that. I love that focus. And you know, like you said, we need to abandon this, need to please everybody or do everything. And no is a complete sentence and it's not a bad thing. And my dad would always say that. He's like, whether you're in a, a pastor or not, all of us that are serving others are in full-time ministry. So yes. never take away from that. If you are living your faith yeah. and helping people have a more productive, wonderful, connected life, we're all the ministry in the marketplace. So I like that because yes. I get a lot of people that come to me and they're like, I feel torn between the two worlds. And I'm like, 
are the two worlds really as separate as you think they are? You know, right. now, if you're working for somebody else, they are because you often can't bring that faith component in there. Right. But if you're yeah. doing your own thing, it's okay to kind of, you know, have these under the mothership, these, right. you know, segments of it. I love that. Yeah. And I love that. What's the biggest lever I can pull to move the company? From? And one North Star. And for the listeners out there, you guys have heard me on all the different podcasts. And this is hard for me because I can juggle 50 plates. I can juggle more, more plates than the average bear. Doesn't mean I should. But somebody told me one time the acronym for busy is burdening under Satan's yoke. So when oh. we just make ourselves busy, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's, that's not good. One thing, God yeah. has this all mapped out. You don't have to do it all for him. You know, just pick that one thing in front of you. And so I get really clear about, Lord, you've already seen this to the end. Just help me. Let me, let me just do this one thing really good. So I love well, that you said that. And the consequence to that too is, you're dragging your, if even let's say at that, because I can spin a lot of plates too. Women tend to be, we do that. But is that the best for the company and the rest oh, of the sure. team to follow that? Sure. And it, it can lend to chaos. It's yeah. tough. Right. It is right. tough. And if you're not wired like that, if you're more of a linear person, right. people like us, it's not a good, it's like oil and um, gas. Oil and water. Yeah. Or yeah. Oil, oil and, and water. Yeah. It's just, or whatever. Yeah. Well, thank you, Anne, for that. I love that. And abandonment is something we as leaders, it's okay to say no. It doesn't mean you're a bad leader. It means right. you're regularly focused. And that's, like I said, that's Jim Collins, good to great. Okay. So the last thing my dad talked about was vision. And I think, I know vision is kind of mm. like, well, could I ever be a visionary? But my dad mm. always said, vision is nothing more than just seeing what needs to be done and doing it. Oh. So mm. how do you, you know, I mean, because a lot of people talk about it, but they don't do anything. And I'm like, well, that's not vision. That's oh. dreaming. Post-it <laughs> notes in the sky. But vision is really, you know, putting uh, work boots on it and getting to work. But how do you craft? And I know you talked about the one thing, you gave me a lot of different things. How do you keep developing your vision or how do you stay, um, keep it alive, a living thing? Yeah, there's two components to that. One is, and I just want to write this down so I don't lose my thought on it. Two layers to it is the marketplace. There's that. Mm -hmm. And then there's the bigger picture vision. And so for me, that bigger picture vision was forged as a result of my dad and my upbringing, akin to you, and just kind of, I would say, the philosophy and our contribution to society. Okay, so my dad was very, very instrumental in that. And the other is then the marketplace and so where those two intersect. So with my big vision, and it was really Paul Zane Pilzer, he was a, an advisor to, I think, two or three different presidents, economic advisor. I love his books, cannot recommend them highly enough. And basically, he talks about that is us being stewards and our, our calling in a spiritual way with your business. Mm -hmm. So he really took what was in my mind and through my dad's teachings, and it was Paul Zane Pilzer who brought it more into formation of, that's it, that is it. And so for me, what will always hold true for me is my worthy contribution is to bring to the culture, to society, more successful entrepreneurs via a strengthened family economy such that they maintain the strength of their family economy comes from them as their own enterprise. Because that is my story of my husband and I is we've had multiple businesses. It was a family economy. We added homeschooling in. 12 years of that, we've had this whole internal economy that we sustained ourselves through our own businesses, we sustained ourselves through our own schooling, and that's the formation of our country. We were primarily yes. an agrarian society. 
which were aka farmers who are business owners. That's an enterprise. It's an economic enterprise. And so what this does to society is it shifts us away from a give me mentality, gimme, 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 and creating dependency, aka a socialist form of government where in the people's minds, it's the purpose of the government is to help to sustain me. My view is the government is to give me, to protect my freedom to be able to sustain myself and marry the two cross in my world that you just allow me to be free. You protect that for me and I'll go and be this better evolved person as a result of that freedom to go and better myself. Because here's the the antithesis is when you're given handouts, you are robbing that person of their intellectual capital, their mental capital, everything that makes them helps them evolve to find out who they can really be, right. you snuff that out because they're in a dependency. So the whole premise of being a business owner is you're willing to take on risk. Again, that's the antithesis of, oh, someone else is taking the risk? Take from him. That, that guy over there, right? Him. Yeah, take his and, and give that to me because I'm more deserving. No, you're not. No, you're not. And Abraham Lincoln talked about it and it's in the Bible too. And it's wrong. It's actually wrong. It's stealing. But that, yeah. It appeals to the flesh. Uh, he, he'll work. He took on all those risks. He assumed those. And he's reaping that benefit. I'll have some of that bread, please. Yes. Over this way, please. No. Uh-uh. So if we don't teach more of that, so I and I do that right. by virtue of bringing new entrepreneurs with the strength and family economy. And I, I'm super big on this in my messaging. We have a gal, ER physician. She's got five family members in her business now, and they love it. So that's the big, big vision. Now, where it intersects with the marketplace is where is the best viable business model Mm. realistically to help make that happen quickly with least amount of risk, so to speak, and that allows them to reach that. Because I truly believe the more entrepreneurs you have who are having to live by their own stripes, what did farmers have to do? There's this dependency relative to, we hope, we pray it rains and, you know, they had to live with these different variables. So right. do we. And so that overall, the net effect is it makes for a stronger nation. When you rob a nation of that, you have a weakened, atrophied population, a populace that is weakened and atrophied and unable to adapt. And the adaptation in business, you're constantly adapting because of the marketplace is ever evolving. So the two have to intersect. Right now I've got this beautiful intersection, but so to me, that's my citizenship because I've been told in the past, you should really run for office, Anne, when I was helping with different things. No, 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 I could, but no, I much prefer this. I wanted right. this sector because where I shine is teaching and mentoring and that in the political realm, I'll support her, but I'm not going to run for it. My dad did. He did. Did 100%. he really? Yes. Wow. When I was very young. So that too kind of showed me vision and stuff. But anyway, so that's kind of big picture, but that's my vision. I love it. And congratulations on after all you've been through that now you're in the zone where it intersected and you're reaping the benefits of that. And for our listeners out there, it takes a long time. It and that's take okay. a long time. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it did, you know, I, I remember reading Malcolm Gla- Tipping Point, 10,000 hours. So I'm like five years, then five years went by. And, ten yes. years went by. and I'm like, Maybe we um, tipping point times three, you know? Yeah, and yeah. So you don't know, but the joy is in the journey and, and your call to action about, you know, what it takes for people. And, you know, but and for our listeners, you know how I like unpacking this, but 
So many people out there have no desire to lift a finger and own their own lives. And so you're always, as a leader, going to have to deal with the fact, okay, but that's not who you're reaching out to. And that's, even if you taught them, they would not be open to receive that. Okay. So, you know, I'm all about being a good citizen of the world, of my country. And that means I show up and I give more than I take. And the minute, but there's a lot of people that that have it reversed. And so we have to just, and all you need is about 10% that are on the right side of making it. So thank God. I just love what you said about there. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think with people, because they, in the converse model that I'm talking about, their true potential is stymied because they're given messaging for a completely different identity that doesn't allow them to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge believer in, I come to call it source inspiration, having read The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, which is as they studied, the scientific study was actually with students with their musical instruments and the stick rate, we'll call it, you know, those that would actually stick with the musical piece. And there was one question, one question asked of these students, they had a series, but it was this one was the main predictor. And this was over the course of their, you know, grade school up through, I suppose, college, I don't recall. But, and this was the question, how long do you intend to play? How long do you intend to play? And with that, underneath that was this premise of what inspired them to want to play. Mm -hmm. That first, you know, Vivaldi, the three seasons, or who knows, whatever, or in business. When I saw Susie Q could do it. And so I've always been a big believer that you've got to put out pieces of inspiration because he gives the example, and I don't know if it was Puerto Rico or wherever, where they won the baseball series. And it, it started with one player. And with that one player, it created, it's like this, it goes up in the air, it can be done. And Mm -hmm. so for me, historically, it was when I saw Olga Corbett flash through my screen when I was a little girl and Nadia Comaneci. (gasps) I want to be like that. And so it's that source inspiration. But then too, the other thing about the people to attract is there's that beautiful saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yes. And it's so true when they're ready, because the teacher was always there. Well, yeah, what, what, we keep teaching. Whether anybody's picking up what we're putting down, that's our gift. Yeah. Because we didn't pick stuff up the first time we heard it either. Some of us, it exactly. took a long time. <laughs> That's right. Some a long time, multiple messages until, you know, so I'm really a big believer that you have to put out in the, just like what you're doing with your podcast, you put out all these pieces that it's that net effect of culminating in the human psyche mind of, these little triggers that say there is potential, there is hope, there is something different, there is a different path. Mm. And then it culminates in that decision-making time. I love it. I love it. Well, Anne, we're coming to the close on this. Is there anything else? I mean, I have gotten so many beautiful insights. Anything else you want to share with our leaders as we have this time? Any other wisdom you'd like to dispense to them? I think it's that taking care of yourself. And I tend to be, and maybe this is true of leaders, being hard on ourselves and putting very high expectations, you yeah. know, is that feed into those things that support yourself for the incredibly high value role that you fill. It's rare. It's a rare thing for someone to really step into those shoes and lead in that way. You're carrying that flag and people are coming up the hill behind you. It's a weighty responsibility 
and nurture yourself through that process. I don't think I've done enough of that. Mm. And I've really, like, I have an hour devotion every morning. I have an hour. Good. I could be working on emails. No. Oh, no. you know, but no. Right. I do an hour. It's, that's my time, you know, and then the Sabbath practice. And so I'm more coveting these kind of, I'm getting more protective over it to better nurture me through the next phase, quite frankly. I'm going into the next phase of my leadership. And investing into, you know, do that for yourself, that it's, it's definitely, it's a big role. It's an important role. Well, and thank you for sharing that with the listeners, because it is something, and I'm like you, the older I get, the more in tune I get with that and realize it's okay. And I'm developing much more guarded, healthy habits. I'm not so frenetic and running around. Well, I have to, I, it all has to happen. And it wasn't ever ego. It was just, I'm just more conscious of, hey, there's a whole lot of other things and there, there are better ways to do it. So really thank you for that and sharing that tip with our listeners about that. You know, we're not launching nuclear war. Everything can wait. I tell people, <laughs> if you don't get to it, even with all the scary things that happen, I'm like, do you need to respond to that right now? If not, just be at peace. Take that hour, listen, mm-hmm. reflect. And I'm glad you're on that journey too. I love it. Well, Anne, how can people stay in touch with you? Because I know our listeners are going to want to connect with you after this. LinkedIn. You can find me there. Message me through LinkedIn, Facebook. As far as the Commerce Business School, it's joinebs.com if you want to learn more about them, where my energy is currently focused, bringing successful entrepreneurs. But yeah, I love leaders. My heart is for leaders and the noble work that leaders do, especially when it's a worthy cause investing in others, which I assume your people are. Yes. I love that. And I love that. Where is my energy focused today? And worthy causes. So, and just thank you for all you do. I have learned an awful lot from you. And for our listeners out there, we're going to put all the links in there, all the books that Anne talked about, because that's the other bonus. You get to hear Anne's wisdom and all the books that made her so tremendous. So for our listeners out there, thank you so much. If you like what you heard, please hit the blue button up there, hit the subscribe. And if you do us the honor of a rating, we would be so thrilled. Also, please share this with other of your friends. And there's a link at the bottom too, if you want a free copy so you can read The Price of Leadership. We got that waiting for you too. We'd love to have you join our tremendous email list, move you from a listener to uh, one of our readers as well. So to our tremendous listeners out there, thank you so much for paying The Price of Leadership. Keep it up and have a tremendous rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.